Hi, this is Patricia. And this is Christina. And this is What They're Worth. A podcast exposing the truths of everyday people who are willing to enter the beautiful mess of foster care and adoption. We're glad you're here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to What They're Worth. We are so excited for you to hear from our guests today. Today we have with us Katie Rose. She is the president and founder of Attached Families, which is a nonprofit that supports parents and kids from tough places. And we are so excited to have her tell our her story and give us some education and some great things to think about. So, Katie, tell everybody a little about yourself and your mom's stats. <laughs> Hi, thanks so much for having me on uh, today. I've actually been really looking forward to it. So yes, I'm Katie Rose, and I am a mother of two amazing boys. Um, one is going to be 16 this Saturday, mm-hmm. and the other one just turned 14 in August. Um, they are my whole world. I guess I would. I want to start at the beginning, if that's okay with you mm-hmm. guys. I was. Uh, I always knew I wanted to foster and adopt children. I was going to ask that. What made I you decide always to knew, do that? Since I was a little girl, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I knew. Uh, we had adopted children in our family mm-hmm. uh, that we didn't refer to as adopted children. They were, you know, my cousins, you know. <laughs> and, it, it did, and they actually were Korean and still saw no difference in them. We just all grew up together. They lived right around the corner from us. We were, we were just cousins, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't even acknowledge as a child that you know they were even a different race it didn't matter they were our family and that's basically how I was raised and uh you know a couple other people um through extended family and friends also adopted and I just always imagined myself growing up and adopting and I feel like every little girl on the playground says, I'll get up, grow up, I'm going to get married, and I'm going to have a boy and a girl, and then I'm going to adopt a child, and then, you know, have lots of... Like, I feel like every little girl says it for some reason. I don't know why. We should probably even study on that. kind of fantasize about adoption. (laughs) Right. And there are studies that show how many people say they'd like to, and then when you compare that to the number of people that do... It goes from a whole lot to a very <laughs> tiny little bit. So don't say. And it's probably because people are very uneducated. Probably. About either. Like, like the whole process. About right. every side of it. Every side of it. Absolutely. So I said it and I, and I, and I meant it. You and meant I it. knew in my heart I meant it. Mm-hmm. So as I aged and decided that things weren't working out with you know, the whole get married and, you know, adopt with someone. I just decided one night, the like right around Christmas, where they showcase all the adopted kids. Uh, um, I wish I could remember the name right now, but I don't know. It used to be fantastic, <laughs> and it used to make me cry, and, like, they got, like, worse over the years. Like, they weren't this. Their storylines weren't that great anymore. But anyway, that night, I was sitting there, and I was like, you know, like, you know you're going to do this, so what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was it. The next, like, that night, not even the next day, I just Googled a bunch of places, a bunch of agencies, 
uh, and I called everyone and just left messages mm. that night. <laughs> and I got a call back from uh, Carolina Family Connections in Charlotte mm -hmm. the, the next day. Lane, uh, who started that agency, actually called me back and I was I and I asked her, you know, how I went about adopting a foster child. And she said, Well, why do you want to adopt a foster child? Why don't you become a foster mom? And I said, Okay. <laughs> like, literally just like that. And um and so she, that's how it started. I, I was like I that's awesome. You know, they, they had the heart, lead the faith. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, she just asked me and, and it was that quick. She's like, why, why just, why do you want to adopt? Why not, why not foster? And I, and I was like, I thought about it for a second and I was like, why not? Yeah. Right, you know, right. like I never had any doubt in my life that I could love any child mm -hmm. and that blood ties didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Because I have a lot of people I share blood with that I really don't like that much. <laughs> that is a fair one. <laughs> a lot of people I don't share blood with that I would die for. Right. Um, I mean, that that's the uh, silliest way I guess I can no, you know, I minimize what yes. I'm trying to say. Like, I knew I that it, it wouldn't matter to me. Um, and I also knew that as difficult it would be to take in a child, fall in love with a child, care for a child, and have to give that child back to their family for reunification, I, I knew it would break my heart, but I also knew that it was important. Right, yeah. It was important, and people, may think that um, they can't do it because they'd never be able to. I'm not gonna lie, it hurts. Yeah. When you when you raise a child, when a child is calling mama and, and, and then they leave, yes, your heart aches. You don't ever stop thinking of that child. You don't ever stop wondering about them. But that doesn't mean that what you did didn't have a profound effect. Mm -hmm. And that's more worth it than the heartache you might feel in having to say goodbye. Yeah. Right. So Did you foster before your birth? Um, I did not exactly. I always complicated, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I am always complicated. I did respite for a teenager for okay. a week. Um, and then he actually got placed with an amazing family mm -hmm. he, that adored him. And this child had been bounced and mm -hmm. bounced and bounced. And then I ran into him a few years later, uh, at a, at a concert thing. I don't know, like one of those reality TV shows came to Charlotte <laughs> And we got free and tickets. you had to be there. We got free tickets from the agency to go with the foster You're trying kids. to get a reality TV show. <laughs> I know the um, So, and I ran into him and his, you what? know, new family. And he was so happy. Aww. And I knew that, you know, I was a stopping place for him. Mm -hmm. 
the universe and everybody kind of just works in mysterious ways and and he needed to spend that week with me so they could find that perfect mm -hmm. family for him and they did yeah and I my heart like overflowed seeing him leave with his mom mm. and so that was my only case before my kids okay. I got so many phone calls but for whatever reason every single time it didn't work out I was in New York on a business trip I wouldn't I I was I wouldn't be there until the you know the next day I broke my foot and had to have a steel plate put in it oh you know, my like goodness all these, like, every time like at the call came yeah. it just wouldn't work out wouldn't yeah. work out and then and I was on the I was down for one child, zero to six. Any race, didn't matter. So you're a comedian, too. Yeah, uh, exactly. One child, zero to six. So tell, tell the listeners what you uh, got instead. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there working on a Tuesday morning, and at 11.07 a.m., a phone call comes. And it is Carolina Family Connections, and they want to know if I would be willing to take a sibling group of three... They started out with the baby just turned two, and then they said a seven and a nine-year-old. And I was like, three kids? Two? Seven? Nine? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, like, uh, like, you just, like, it's almost overwhelming, but you, you literally have to make the decision. Yeah on the spot like mm -hmm. you have to make the decision because if your answer is no they have to keep making phone calls they got to find a place for these kids to go today right um so i took a deep breath and i said yes and hours and hours and hours and hours passed i was like where are they children <laughs> um but of course they had to be taken to the hospital and be checked out and so all they had that. just come into care that, that day. exact wow. day okay. they had just been picked up and from... so that's kind of rare because a lot of times we get kids who have been in care for a while and right so it's not always super common that you get them it's not straight old. right from the situation yeah. It's not, it's, and and that, and I'm speaking from just knowing so many right. people in the right. foster care and adoption right. community um, to know that obviously because this was my yeah. only experience. Right. So they dropped these three oh, stunningly gorgeous children off at my house. Um, <laughs> the little girl was beautiful, and the boys looked like. Once I bathed them and gave them clothes that fit, that they could be in like a children's magazine. Mm. Like they were just cute kids. Perfect. And they walked in my door and I said hi. Like I like introduced myself and you know, they were kind of weary and I just kind of started with like, would you like to see your bedrooms? And and they said we have bedrooms mm -hmm. and I said of course and they like got really excited and they said yes and so I took them up the stairs and I, I showed the boys their room and and they were like we have beds mm -hmm. and that's when I found out that they had never had their own bed in their whole life 
ever. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it's pretty common. Yeah. And like for me, yeah, that was mm-hmm. you know I'm just a I'm just a girl from Long Island. You know I I had a pretty sweet life. I'm not gonna lie. My parents didn't divorce. That you know they both love me. It's like you know I've got nothing right. to complain about. Like you know everybody's got their sob story, and I have you know this great family <laughs> <laughs> who raised me well, and you know, and then of course. Um, you hear this, these, they never even had a bed. And then you hear that all they got for Christmas last year was a, a Starbucks coffee cup to share and da, 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 da. So I made the mistake that every, and I'm telling this part because I want your listeners to know, I made the mistake that every single new foster parent makes <laughs> and we went shopping. <laughs> We went shopping. If I could have put all of Target into my car, <laughs> um, yep, I would have. You feel so overwhelmed with sadness yeah. that you feel like buying all these items is somehow going to fix it. That, it doesn't. No. But for the moment, the kids smile. Right. Until they throw it across the room when they're it, well, thank you. <laughs> I'm good at too. That's exactly I'm like, did you just throw that what How ungrateful. You got nothing. Happened. And it takes you down a dark spiral. It just takes you down a dark spiral. That's why I wanted to mention it. It's true. So don't make that mistake. Don't overdo it. Don't yeah. overdo In it. In time, things exactly. will come. Exactly. Like, yes, make sure they have a bed and a comforter <laughs> and some toys, toys. to play, play with and stuff. But, like... Don't make the mistake I and every new foster parent before me. We did too. We got our daughter in November. So she was there for Christmas. And we had like the best community from like far and close. And they, I mean, they were just so excited for us and her. They just sent us everything. The Christmas, I mean, the presents were bigger than our little Christmas tree we had. And then we had all the stuff that she eventually threw too. And so that I'm totally guilty. Uh, August. My kids came in August. And the whole world was thrilled for me. (laughs) And Christmas came with these three babies and the first three foster grandchildren. You know, now that we use the word foster. The first three grandchildren and the first two nephews and niece. (laughs) And, you know, my first kids ever. And we have kids at Christmas. If you could have seen that living room when when the kids woke up in the morning. Oh, we know. It was our living room. It was <laughs> absolutely We're insanity. like, oh, we think we're a little too much. And it was too much. Mm-hmm. And then you can't pull that back. You can't pull that back in. These kids now have this idea of what. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. I just and chalked it up to some of that was from DSS. And now that you're adopted. You only have one parent. Smart. <laughs> you see, had two parents before. DSS see, and DSS. Now you just have us and we don't have as much money. I wasn't that smart. So yeah, gotta, uh, I, maybe, I, maybe I'll tell my kids that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So, so now I had these uh, three of, at the time, eight children. They have many siblings. Mm-hmm. Um... And everything was a little confusing because everyone had different last names and they weren't the right last names. And 
Everyone had the wrong father's information on their birth. I mean, the amount of information that I had to learn and try to decipher. Right. And um, my seven-year-old was was seven, but it was 11 days before his eighth birthday. So while I'm trying, and, and 11 days before the first day of school. Um, so, <laughs> That's a lot. That so is. I mean, I had this very short period of time to get them enrolled in school and to get them their uniforms because the school had uniforms and to throw a birthday party oh my (laughs) you know it was like it was it was a lot lot. in like 11 days and get everybody signed up for before care and after care and have the baby put in daycare and because i actually still had a job and i'm a single mother and so there was like all it was it was a lot and and you know you have all they're giving you these binders on each child and like telling them that it's a lot in the beginning right it's a lot of like appointments it's a lot of right because there are a lot of caseworkers and you're like wait which one are you i remember i said i have said that to people like which one are you again i'm so sorry like right i just there are so many different types of workers and i don't know who you are Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And so I think that, that it's great for your listeners to hear that, like, in that beginning, like, there is. Like, these kids, a lot of the, like, they've never been to a dentist. They've never been to the eye doctor. They haven't had a physical. They're not up on their immunization. So be prepared for the yeah. fact. And then if you're taking in more than one, it's all those things times yeah. two, times three, times four, times five. Like, you know, yeah. you take in a large mm-hmm. sibling group, it's really a lot but um it's 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 that much like right there in the beginning you know like so i beginning's a different beast then there's a different a new beast right and then a new beast comes you know because in the beginning while while you're dealing with that beast like everyone's honeymooning you know Mm -hmm. and uh, i'm sure your listeners already know but the honeymooning is you know, where everyone's kind of on their best behavior and, you know, just showing you their cuteness and their kindness <laughs> and their respectfulness. And um, we had a few um, language barriers because mm-hmm. I speak Long Island in Brooklyn <laughs> and they speak Southern. And so I did not know how different these languages were. Until I became a mother of southern children. Um, but, yeah, we had some language barriers because, like, I did, oh, their, I did their clothes. Yeah. You know, I walked all their clothes after we bought them all new clothes. And, you know, I got everything ready. And I, and I folded and da-da-da. And I put them on the beds. And, of course, I did the girls. I put hers away. But I told the boys to put their clothes away. And then I went downstairs and... They came down, and, and I, I had captain's beds for them, you know, like with the drawers underneath. Yeah. And so they come downstairs, and I said, did you put your clothes away? And they said, we put them up. And I said, I don't know what that means. Did you put them away? We put them up. And my brain's going, well, the drawers are underneath <laughs> that, and the closet, you know, is, is I'm like, I'm like, I don't, what, what do you mean? Put them up where? <laughs> <laughs> and they're looking at each other like, why is she not understanding what we're That's saying? Funny. So we had a few moments That's like funny. that. But now I say, did you put your clothes up? <laughs> <laughs> Look how that worked out. So, yeah, I changed to their language instead of their them changing to mine. Um, so... So yes, so that's that's how I started in foster care, and um, 
As you know, I am now the mother of two boys. Okay. So, the little girl um, was uh, adopted, not adopted, given guardianship to her biological father's sister. Mm. Okay. So, we had to move her out of our house and in with... Um, her aunt. So she was reunified with family. So that's what you were referring right. to earlier. Right. Oh. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to lie, hardest thing mm -hmm. I've ever done in my life. And it was really hard too because it was so hard on the boys mm -hmm. to lose their baby sister. Yeah. And it was really hard for her because she had never really met this person um, that I was moving her in with. And um, she didn't know her biological father because he was, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and so, and so all she had that was steady in her life were her brothers and me. Mm -hmm. So it was, yeah. it was, it, it, I'm not going to lie, it was a heartbreaker. Yeah. yeah. These situations are but complicated. Say with like. saying that, I don't regret being her mama for even one second. I'll take all the heartbreak in the world um, for the memories that I got to make yeah. with that precious little girl. Mm -hmm. And that's what matters. And she learned what it was to have stability in her life because of me. Mm -hmm. She learned what it was like to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and a bedroom, and a dog, and a mama because of me. How long was she with you? Uh, nine months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, mm -hmm. she, there isn't a single thing I regret about being her mama, mm -hmm. even if it was for a short period of time. So if I, anybody takes anything away from this, take, take that. Like if you're considering it, just, just pick up the phone and go for it. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so fast forward and I... Honeymoon's over. Honeymoon's <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I have, a, uh, I'm living up in Charlotte and I, in a townhouse with a loft that like overlooks the living room. So I, I knew that when I, when I adopted them and it became finalized, that we were going to move to Port Mill because I wanted them in a better school district. How long did it take to finalize? Um, so they came to me in August of 2013 and we finalized the adoption. Our finalization day was like the date on their paperwork mm -hmm. is April 15th, 2015. Mm -hmm. So typical amount. Yeah. And then, and then two years in, in August we were, we were in a house in Knightsbridge here. Um, but the only thing I knew for a fact was that my new house was not going to have a loft that <laughs> overlooked my living room because that's where my youngest liked to throw things at my oh. head while I was sitting in my recliner <laughs> when he was mad at me or did not get his way or didn't want to go to bed or wanted another glass of water for the 30th time and I said no. Um, he had this nice overlook of my living room 
that he could just walk out of his bedroom and into the loft and chuck things at my head. So no to anyone listening. <laughs> no loft. No loft. Or move your chair. I, like, I don't know. <laughs> a net. You need yeah, a net. Oh, please. My brother and my father, they were in the house. They were like, what? Can, like, can we build a, a like a fake dummy wallet? Like, what? They, they were tr- coming up with all these plans of what they were going to be able to do because he was so... He liked that loft. Yeah, he really... I mean, I was like, <laughs> they uh they definitely uh yeah they 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 started to not just have meltdowns my kids went into actual what we call rages um and i was kind of surprised uh personally because i went into this little naive uh, I think we all do a little bit. Yeah, and I, I kind of felt like when I went into it, I, I, I really did have that image that, you know, social workers in DSS always and only have the best interest of children at heart. And I, I kind of learned very quickly that that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. They more have at heart, like, what closes the case the fastest and the cheapest mm-hmm. at heart? Um, and that's not to, I know social workers, I, I love a lot of social workers. I'm not putting down that profession mm-hmm. in any way. I'm just saying. It can get shady. It can yeah. get shady. Yeah. So you have to be the advocate. Mm-hmm. So when you see signs that you know aren't neurotypical, um, and, of course, every foster parent is expecting an adjustment period, blah, 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 blah. But there are some signs that that show you that it's not just an adjustment period. There, there, there are some real things going on here. Um, and I don't really have a full story from DSS on their background. And right. most of the things I'm learning about their background are coming from them. Right. And the so, DSS might not right, know something. You know, right. so... Um, no. Exactly. You know, so uh, you have to be the advocate for the children. You have to be the one that's calling and saying, this child needs a, a psychological assessment. This child needs therapy. This child needs that. Like, you have to be the advocate for the children in your care, mm-hmm. just as if they were your children. Mm-hmm. Because when you have children in your care, you treat them exactly like you would treat them if they were your, your You children. assume all right. those parental right. responsibilities. You assume all those parental yeah. responsibilities. Well, I, I think you some people to assume that the DSS guardian is the parent and we're just kind of helping out. Right. And, and that's not even really a fair expectation to put on them because no. of how many kids they right. are responsible for. Right back to my naivete. Yeah. Like, no. So we are the parents... But legally, they are in the custody of, of, of the state, and right. so we got to get their head nod. But really, we're it, the parents, <laughs> exactly. And but I was so naive that right. I really didn't right. think then that yeah. you know DSS, and and then and then I didn't think I would like have to like fight for it. You know, mm-hmm. like so, you know, the kids came to me in August, and I don't even remember what the actual month is that I, by the time I finally got them the psychological assessments and and so yeah and I'm not gonna lie that 
and I'm not going to go into all of the diagnoses that they'd ever been given. My children have some right to privacy. But uh, they were given, like, over the years, like, every diagnosis that there could possibly be in the book, you know. Definitely things like conduct disorder and, 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 and just, you know, they would break things. They would throw things. They would you know, scream at the top of their lungs for hours and hours and hours. And I lived in a townhouse and I, and I couldn't imagine that my, like they weren't keeping everybody else up. Like I'm checking with neighbors in the morning. Like, did, did they keep you up? Because the, you know, if they started a rage, they could easily hold it for eight straight hours, wow. nonstop wow. screaming. So I had, and, and they would, you know, kind of take turns. And, you know, and I had they do that. other children that were also needed to sleep and they had to go to school in the morning and I had to go to work. And but it just, it would be, it was hours and hours. So, um, they did, they have the, they, I call it developmental trauma disorder. Um, I, I'm part of a nationwide, actually worldwide effort. Uh, to get that diagnosis in the DSM. Amen, sister. <laughs> um, we, you know, it's, it's, they can't be diagnosed with developmental trauma disorder at this moment because we missed getting it in the DSM two years ago. So For people that don't know, years. that's the <laughs> handbook of mental illness and disorders. <laughs> the diagnostic Everybody manual, has to yeah. use in behavioral health care. Insurance takes those codes, etc. Right. It all so, goes back to insurance codes, let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> so developmental trauma, trying to distinguish it from PTSD. Right. Where there may not necessarily be a specific trauma mm. event, but there's a kind of a chronic a early chronic childhood trauma early, that yes. creates these behavioral, emotional mm. thinking things. Right. Because their brains <laughs> did not develop properly due to the trauma. Right. So it's actually kind of like a form of brain damage. Um, and so the brain is a, a tricky thing. But I have belief and I, I've met people. Like, it can be rewired. It yes. can, you can it's work. It's plastic is what right. I like to say. Thank you. <laughs> I love that you're a therapist and you understand. <laughs> then you yes. can fill in with the, useful. with the nice big words when I when I my brain loses them while I'm trying to speak. I got you. So so yes, yeah, so my my diagnosis as a non-therapist um, is that my children have developmental trauma disorder. Um, and so since they can't be diagnosed with that, um, they have, you know, 13 other letters after their name, but then they also have this thing called reactive attachment disorder. Um, now, there are attachment disorders, um, and for those of you who don't know what that is, you know, usually if you've ever heard of it, it you know, you would have seen a black and white picture of a Russian orphanage and just... 400 babies in a crib and nobody there to pick mm -hmm. them up. Um, and that's the image that anyone, that everyone gets with, you know, attachment stuff. But it happens here too, you know, if a child doesn't, um, has it trauma in the early years, in the early stages, if, if the child can't, doesn't attach to a caregiver right from the get-go. And sometimes the trauma can happen in utero or because mm -hmm. there was mm -hmm. 
um, domestic vi- uh, um, violence during the, the pregnancy or the mother was sick during the pregnancy or it was a dangerous pregnancy and she would, was really stressed out and had high cortisol levels. So you know how everybody puts the headphones on their bellies and, you know, it's playing Tchaikovsky to their <laughs> kid because, you know, all the research says that the baby can hear and, you know, mm-hmm. and can feel what the mother's feeling. That's all true. So just as it's true with all the good stuff, it's true with all the bad. Mm -hmm. So if you have a very high-stress, toxic pregnancy, and you're just a a normal, everyday person, um, it can still happen. It's like 1%. Don't like, like, it's just like 1%. And that's why people think reactive attachment is so rare. Because it's only 1% of your everyday walking around people are going to give birth and have a child that winds up getting diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder. Mm. But that percentage goes up into the 40s and 50s when you're talking about children in foster care Mm -hmm. because you have a very niche population of children in foster care. The, The Domestic violence during pregnancy, mm-hmm. drinking, drugs, screaming, right. stress. Uh, Similar reasons that foster and adoptive kids are three times more likely to show up in a therapist's office. Exactly. <laughs> because and of the fact that they're in foster care for a reason. A reason. Right. So, like, like, like thank you. for no like, like, you know, they're there for a reason. So, it, it the numbers right. increase drastically. So, you're seeing this stuff. You're having to advocate for them to get services. Yes. How did you... How did you handle it then before you became so aware? Because I think that's where a lot of people are. Like, mine was not that extreme. Yours was pretty extreme. Um, Still. Yeah. In those (laughs) moments, like, we've talked about this before. Like, I'm pretty sure I was depressed. And I'm pretty sure I, like had some sort of similar to postpartum depression in those days where I was like, what am I going to do? Like, this girl is kicking me, throwing things, screaming, trying to run away. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, ah. you know, I'm a new mom. And so what did you do? And then how did you seek help? Um, I cried. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was all alone. I was, you know, single at the time and... I tried to talk to people about it and tell them what was happening, but it was like all of a sudden everyone that knew me didn't believe me that it was as serious as it was Mm -hmm. because they were just seeing my cute, adorable, charming... Yeah, they're great kids. for everybody else. Right, they're amazing. Most of the time, like our kids are Respectful and uh-huh. sweet and da 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 And I'm like, but, you know, and then my mother would, like, get mad at me and she'd be like, you know, you don't even light up when he walks in the room. And I was like, what part of he threw a vase at my head yeah. right before we got here did you miss? Like, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> am I supposed to be, like, you right. know, I it just, I, I was struggling. That's tough, yeah. I was struggling. I had no sleep, raging children, Mm -hmm. uh, physically aggressive, Mm -hmm. personally aggressive, like they were self-harming, like punching themselves in the face and Mm -hmm. slamming their heads against the dresser, like, you know, back in, you know, 
How did you not throw in the towel? Because, yeah. I mean, um, nobody would fault you if you did. <laughs> How, you know, and, and that's everybody, this is why a lot of kids every, have a lot of moves. And again, no shame because I get it. I mean, you can't always. I say that. This yeah. is what I say How all the time. Um, I say when you hear a child has had 13 moves, it's because they have trauma yeah. and possibly rad and are not getting proper treatment for it. And that's why, that's the only reason you hear a child had 13 moves. Foster parents are not kicking children out of their house because they're fabulous. <laughs> you know, like, right. and nobody, and, 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 no, and I don't say that in a way to say that, when you when you can't handle it and you say and you tell the caseworker that you you have to move this kid and you can't handle it there's no there's no shame in that yeah. that you know we all know what we can handle yeah. um people still ask me that question today yeah um it's been a very long 6 years mm-hmm. i feel like my body has aged and i'm not i'm not exaggerating 15 to 20 years in the last six years um the stress has been high but at the end of the day i love my kids Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day if not me who and at the end of the day they're kids and no matter what they're doing, Preach. they didn't. They didn't create this. Mm-hmm. They were created, and I couldn't and won't give up on them. I believe that there is the ability to heal from trauma. I believe in. Um, treatments that exist that are just too expensive Mm. for people like me to afford um but they are they do exist i believe in i believe in my kids i can tell you five thousand behaviors i can tell you Awful things they've called me and heartbreaking things they've said to me. I I won't lie about that. It happens. Mm -hmm. But I can also tell you that my son made me soup when he knew I didn't feel good. And he said, Mommy, you go sit on the couch. I got dinner tonight. I can tell you that my youngest son always stops and waits for his Grammy to catch up mm. while we all walk ahead and just don't wait for that woman. <laughs> <laughs> but he never lets her walk alone. He walks with her. I mm. see those moments and I know there's hope. Mm. And if I said I couldn't do it, if I gave up, where's the hope? Because now they're just more traumatized and they're with another family and then 
that, that, I mean, I, I know if I didn't keep my kids, they would have shuffled around until they aged out. I know it. I have no doubt. I mean, I live with them. Trust me. <laughs> I know it. Um, and I'm not a saint. I'm not some superwoman. I'm not an amazing mom. I'm not any of those things. I'm just a woman. I'm just a woman. You're mortal. From Long Island <laughs> who moved south and decided yes. to become a foster parent and adopt. Like I just like, I want to make it we so clear. A special kind of crazy. Right. A special that, yeah, I bet I like really that. A special <laughs> kind of crazy. I love that that you say it that way because I don't want people thinking that like like only, you know, super teachers or super therapists or people have experience with, you know, that can do that. I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. So how'd you go from being a nobody with no kid experience to <laughs> starting a nonprofit that helps I would talk about that a little bit. I have talk about a lot of what attach and what attached families do. I have some tenacity. Um, say, uh, <laughs> and a lot of passion. So um so I love my kids and I wasn't giving up on them and I adopted them. Mm-hmm. And they are my children. Whoop, and whoop, whoop. <laughs> and we had the grandest party in the whole oh. world in New York and it was oh. awesome. And I did this whole tree theme because uh, I I sent out invitations and it was like we're adding two branches to our oh. family tree. And so the centerpieces were trees and my best friends made this had this picture made and bought this green stain and it was like everybody's thumbprints became the leaves and that hangs That's in our living cute. room for their adoption party, their, their new family's fingerprints and got the tree, mm-hmm. our family symbol tattooed on the back of my neck. Like, you know, we're a family now because they told me that once I signed those papers, all the behaviors were going to go away. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> because now they know that it was their forever home and all the other times they were just testing me. So. Lie. No, no, no. <laughs> Lie, detective. <laughs> so. Um, and so, you know, for some kids, that may maybe it is. be I, a large. Maybe. Maybe. I, I have two sons. And for one of my sons, I think a lot of it was that. The other one. Probably has developmental trauma disorder. Yeah. Okay. So, see, yeah. And the only reason I, like, jumped out of your question for a second is, like, I wanted to, like, bring it full circle. Like, sure. So, the tree is our family symbol. And, and it's my children's family symbol. Oh, yeah. And your logo. It's, yeah. It's tree. It's all it's coming all together. Thing, like, that whole full circle tree of life thing. Yeah. Um, so... Once I realized that the behaviors weren't going away and we had just come back from New York and this big fancy party and they were still them. (laughs) (laughs) And I got, um, now I was in charge, you know, Mm -hmm. now I didn't have to go through anybody else. I didn't have to see the people DSS told me to see. Mm -hmm. And so I picked who I wanted to go to, to have psychological assessments done for them. And we did that. And now I had what I was really dealing with. Mm -hmm. 
and it was reactive attachment disorder. And, you know, I kind of cried about that because I, to Were me, Were you that, familiar with reactive attachment disorder? I, I never, heard, never okay. heard of it in my life. Okay. Never heard of it in my life. Did you hear about it before you were in the foster care and adoption no. world? No. Never heard of it in my life. Well, you're... I can't answer. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a therapist. therapist. I'm like, I read the book. Yeah. <laughs> you're a therapist. Yeah. Right. You don't And even, but honestly, even when you were getting your degree, like, what they said, did they mention it once? Yeah. In my diagnostic class, we went over every diagnosis. Okay. <laughs> so... Yes. You went over the sentences in the DS. Correct. Good for that's great. Thank I'm glad. you. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 that was not towards you. I I'm promise just you. Kidding. Yeah, I, but that's it. Like everyone's like read the sentences in the DSM, and that's the only even therapists yeah. that out out in the world. Right. Like, not you, but there gotcha. is a lot okay. of lack of knowledge and awareness about what it really mm-hmm. is and what it looks like, mm-hmm. and so. Um, I had intensive in-home coming, and I had family-centered therapy, and I had all these different therapists in and out of my house, and da-da-da-da. Like, I'm pretty sure the last count was 11 rounds of intensive in-home therapy. Two rounds of family-centered treatment. We've had over 30 therapists. Uh, So much so that the post-adoption social worker, like, got to the point where she would say to, like, the new person she was bringing into my house, like, right when they got to the door, she'd look at them and she'd say, do not say the word chart. She will kick you out of the house. <laughs> and it was true, because everybody wanted to come in and create a behavioral chart for my children and a stick a chart, and they thought that that was going to make <laughs> Rad go away. And by now, I'm like years into this. And I'm like, you say the word chart, I automatically know you're a moron. Get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> Just put a sticker on you the know, like, 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 chart like, is a like, cuss word. Yeah, exactly. So, so, the, so she would be like. <laughs> we don't want your chart. We don't want your chart. <laughs> <laughs> so, she was, so she was. My post-adoptive social worker was such a lovely woman. And she, would, and she would get to my door and tell them, say the word chart. She will kick you out of the house. So, like, just know that going in. Um, And so I had to do my own research, and I had to learn my own things, and I had to figure it out on my own is, is what it came down to. So I created my own sort of attachment therapy, and I tried to do that with the boys. Um, sometimes it becomes um, overwhelming and too much, like sometimes they spiral, so uh, we do need uh, to turn to places that are called PRTS, um, psychiatric residential treatment centers. Some places in the country to call them RTS, which are residential treatment centers. Um, I call them respite, and I know I'm not supposed to, but I do uh, because they're not treating rad. They're it's just a fact. They're not treating rad it's not like they're bringing in all these you know neurofeedback and emdr and all these things that can work with the brain to help a child they're they're great therapists at these places and i respect them all very much um right now uh my son is at one of these places and it's actually 
in my opinion, the best out of what is offered in North and South Carolina. And I have my reasonings for that. Um, uh, most, most of these places I will say are, are pretty laughable. Um, and I think a lot of these places, a lot of pockets are being lined, but this place, uh, doesn't claim to know everything about RAD and doesn't claim to be treating developmental trauma disorder. And they follow my lead and they respect what I say mm -hmm. instead of constantly making me feel like I am a, a pain in their butt. Um, they make me very much feel like I am part of my children's care. That is awesome. And that is what makes it different than all the other places. So saying that, um, I researched and researched and researched and went to this conference and watched this YouTube video. And I mean, like, I mean, I immersed myself in reactive attachment disorder because when your children have that, you don't really get to sleep. I have cameras in every room of my house, keypad door locks on all the doors, um, motion sensors outside their bedrooms, motion sensors on the staircase, um, pantry. My children will eat until they throw up. They don't have a signal in their brain that tells them to stop. Um, so it becomes very unhealthy for them because they would binge and purge every night. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, I don't lock the pantry because I'm starving my children. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like some people get accused of that. And like, I hear locked pantry and I automatically go, oh, Brad. I, get, I mean, and there are just these telltale signs. I can read between the lines in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. But the more and more research I did on reactive attachment disorder, the more and more I dwelled back on the, the years that we lost already. And I started to get depressed. I started to remember all those nights I cried in my room not knowing what was going on. I started to remember all those times people didn't believe me. I started to remember every single time someone told me, oh, that's normal. All boys do that. Um, and I started to get angry because I wasn't crazy. Mm -hmm. There was something wrong. It isn't normal. Not all boys do this. Right. And I was alone mm -hmm. and scared and sad. Mm -hmm. And with that anger, I remembered my heart. Like, I mm -hmm. honestly, I'm not... I don't mean that in like a did I, but my heart couldn't let the thought that someone else was sitting out there by themselves feeling crazy mm -hmm. and alone and scared and no one's believing them. And, and I said, I have to find these people. I have to go public, which is terrifying, mm -hmm. terrifying. I mean, there's so much stigma still about mental illness in general. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then you start with, you know, 
the 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 school shootings and this and that and then and then so then you get scared that just admitting that your child has a you know mm -hmm. mental illness or trauma in their past is is everyone going to say that they their kids can't, them, right, you, right. your kids can't play with my kids or da, da 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 so like I didn't want my children to have this awful stigma on them but I had to find the other parents mm -hmm. so that's what built attached families I literally couldn't stand the thought that anyone else felt alone. And so at first I was just gonna create like a support group. I was like, that's not enough. It's just not enough. Because if you don't find us by searching for attached families and why would you search for that, you know, you're not gonna get the support. And that's when I was like, no, we, it's gotta be a nonprofit. We gotta go public. And then I said, and we, ha we have to reach, we have to find every rad parent out there and then i said no i want it to be bigger than that i said i want society needs to know this exists i said i never even heard of this until a few years ago i didn't hear of it until my children were diagnosed with it i i didn't know a single thing about its existence mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. there's thousands and thousands of children suffering from developmental trauma disorder and reactive attachment disorder they're suffering right. why don't we know right. so i said no so it's not enough just to reach every rad parent i have to educate and advocate for awareness in society i said and then i have to educate and advocate for change in treatment these children deserve proper treatment now and their families deserve to be supported mm -hmm. And that's, oh, girl. that's what I promised. <laughs> Hashtag <every> girl boss. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's what I promised every single family. And that's, I call them my families. They are, they're mm -hmm. all my families. Um, I, we have something like 1,300 families wow. in the support group right now wow. that I'm supporting. So if people Google attached families, are you going to come right up? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, if you need to find her, <laughs> we are on every Facebook. social media every that exists. Social media. Every social media outlet. We have our own YouTube channel where you get to hear my oh, voice cool. yelling at a camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a YouTube channel. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram. And we have our website, attachedfamilies.org. Uh, so my goal moving forward are educate and advocate so society is out as, as outraged as we are so that our children can get proper treatment and our families can be supported and i promise every one of my families that they never ever 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 have to walk through anything alone ever again so that's we so do, empowering we talk so much about community on here like yeah. it, it and especially in that sort of situation how important it is. It it really it changes. It's like it's life changing. It really is. I mean, it changed my life finding others. Right. Um, but so we have our online support group. We do Zoom, uh, private confidential support groups four times a week, um, morning, afternoon, late at night. So it can fit everyone's schedule and everyone's time zones. Um, we're in seven different countries. Oh. Uh, supporting families uh, from seven different countries. 
we are we've created a group for of people that I've uh, met and encountered that were diagnosed with rat as children but are grown adults now mm. and so they allow they in conversations with them they allow themselves to be part of this other group called questions and answers wow. for children uh, for people who were diagnosed as, with rat as children so that out my families can ask them questions and they allow themselves to be vulnerable enough to answer like my kid just did this. What's going through their mind? What? Why did you? Why did you run away? Why did you throw the face at your mother's head? Why did you? You know, and they're they're vulnerable enough to answer those questions. That's awesome. Um, and I have a gentleman named Jesse Hogsett, who's an amazing man, um, who grew up in foster care, was put in foster care when he was five, um, was uh, had severe. Uh, trauma and behavior problems and diagnosed with rat at 12 and he is now married to a beautiful woman for the last 20 years mm -hmm. has five gorgeous kids uh, and he's doing a, a lot online live presentation mm -hmm. for our uh, for anyone for the whole world anyone who wants to to uh, do that on November 3rd um, so my goal is for people to be aware mm -hmm. society to be aware families to be supported, children to get the proper treatment, um, and we're available to families 24 hours a day, and everyone has my cell phone number. If they feel in crisis... That's why like, her phone keeps buzzing. Like, <laughs> they, they hear that they on They feel the like they podcast. can't. If they, like, you know, you just love those moments you talk about where you're like, why didn't you give mm -hmm. up? Like, that, mm -hmm. like they, if they're at that, if they're just having one of those moments where they're like, I, I can't do this one more day. So they to that mom or dad who's in their bed tonight, <laughs> crying, not knowing, not knowing what to do, listening to their kid in some sort of rage, right now, what would you tell them if you could speak to that mom or dad? You're amazing. You are a warrior. This life is not an easy thing. It's a roller coaster. But they're worth it. And you got this. And if you need me, you know where to find me. I'm about to cross. I know. <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> thank you for thank you for sharing. It's it's very cool and I think it's funny because even though obviously our podcast we have a lot of the same I love the way that you like said that, that society is outraged yeah. enough to do something. And I've feel that message a lot too. And I think a lot of people are scared and do nothing or they're outraged and they have to step away. You know what I mean? And it's, it's hard to walk that line of being, and I, I think you said it perfectly too, like, I'm just mad enough that I remember my heart right, <laughs> and then right. I don't get so mad that right. I leave. Yeah. And, and it's really hard, but you, you do have to have support, know you're not alone and have the tenacity to keep pushing for Forward. your kids. Yes. So it's, thank you. Thank so you. Much I appreciate you letting me. And I hope many, many people will listen I hope and so connect too. with you. And I hope more people will step up and be you or join you. Absolutely. To help other people. So Absolutely. And you rock. honestly, thank well, thank you. And thank you for having me. Yes. And you know, at the end of all of this, I just like I want to reiterate, yes. 
find a support group, find, you know, if it's, if it's not rad or developmental trauma, find a foster parent support group in your area. You're not the only one, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever, like, right. You're not the only one. And when you find others like you, it gets easier. It gets better. You, you fit, you form a community and it changes everything. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, no matter what you heard come out of my mouth tonight, I attach families loves foster care. We love adoption. We are pro everyone getting involved because the more people that get involved, the better this country is going to be. I mean, think of how many children can be helped by someone that won't give up. And we need more people to do it. So step up, people. Step up. <laughs> we need you. You make a difference. It matters. It matters. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. If you liked today's episode, we'd love to hear from you and get a review on any of our podcast places. We'd also love to hear from you on Facebook or Instagram. Comments, feedback, or if you'd like to be a potential guest. Hope to hear from you soon. Bye.